hello everybody welcome back to um choose inclusion uh so happy to have everybody back and as always uh this is mike hess and i'm super excited to be joined by uh, my amazing co-hosts uh nina and ubaldo how are you guys today doing okay doing okay happy new year it, it's like we're, we made it to 2021 Happy New Year to you as well, and I'm super happy to uh, uh, have our guest on with us today. Uh, so many of our conversations that we've had have really been that intersectional, conversational, and today just uh, an amazing guest, uh, Dr. Diane Carson, uh, who identifies as a female, identifies as a woman of color, and also identifies as a person with a disability and uh, super happy to have you on today, Dr. Carson. So thank you very much. How are you doing today? Thank you very much and good morning to all of you. I am doing fantastically well. I am excited about this opportunity to speak with you and um, to discuss matters that perhaps have not been discussed. However, I am a little bit um, sort of torn because at the same time that I'm very happy for this opportunity, thinking about all that's going on in the world. And um, when we talk about COVID and having family members that have suffered from that, friends, and not knowing from day to day, do I have it every time I get um, a fever or a cough? Um, coupled with the fact that uh, it's very difficult now and challenging to find um, positions because competition is great, um, even greater than it's ever been. And uh, despite the fact that I've spent most of my life um, trying to become educated and make an impact in education, I still find myself in a position where I have to still compete um, even more vigorously, vigorously than I ever had. Uh, so um, that said, I am, though, despite those things that exist, um, I still push on and am grateful for this opportunity to um, speak out. So thank you again. Well, I want to dive into your, your work, you know, uh, this uh, We've talked a lot about education. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on that. You know, and, and particularly for you know people of color and, and other underrepresented groups, and you know the lack of opportunities. Like, what what is it about education that's so important to you, and what's what's missing? My most of my career, I have spent as a teacher of mathematics at the high school level and then moving forward to teaching teachers or coaching teachers to improve instruction. Uh, it has always bothered me. Why is it that some students succeed in mathematics and others don't? Um, I even thought that perhaps it might be a difference in race or a difference in experience. And I traveled to Japan thinking, well, yeah, that's a group of people that do very well in mathematics. And then I sort of discovered that there was a connection between the academic level and 
what they experience in society. So I began to look at, well, what does that look like in um, the American setting? Uh, I sought out to do a study. Um, my dissertation study focuses on grit and mathematics achievement. And if there is a connection between those two. So I wondered, well, is it all about working hard? Um, does it mean that they have to stick to um, what they do in order to succeed? Um, so my study sort of talks about um, the connection between those two things. And should I say that grit is um, the persistence or the behaviors that people exhibit despite difficulties, despite hurdles, um, that they still succeed. Um, so I thought, well, perhaps there is a connection between that um, when considering African-American students and particularly minorities. Um, there are a lot of experiences that they have in their communities, um, a lack of resources, not only within the community, but within those homes that affect um, their performance. And there are a lot of um, conflicts that they have, um, i.e. things that as violence or um, violence in their homes, outside of their homes that affect that. Um, so we discuss uh, what does that look like in terms of affecting their performance in mathematics and how are those anxieties that they have about mathematics influenced by those societal experiences? I mean, that's a really, it's, it's a very complex set of problems, right? Because it's not just about what the school can do, but how do we impact home life? How do we impact culture? What are some of the things that you're working on as, as solutions to this? I think that for the most part, it's been one dimensional, the way that policies and uh, school leaders have looked at this. And that perhaps may be one of the reasons why it's such toil in trying to figure out solutions. Um, in the study, um, it was revealed, and I should say that this was from the student's perspective. Um, most of the studies prior to this study have focused on what that looks like statistically, uh, what it looks like on paper, what are the results of that, and what are the patterns that exist. And the study that I engaged in was qualitative, that is, it, it uh, revealed narratives that exist that explain that statistical data. Um, one of the things that came out uh, from a student's perspective is that the building relationships with students is paramount. Um, many of these students indicated that if they didn't have a good relationship with the teacher, if they perceived that the teacher was not a good teacher, then they didn't do well in the course. Um, the converse of that was true as well. They perceived that if they did well in the course, um, then they um, had a good teacher. So part of the um, remedies for this is in teacher training and in training teachers in such a way. And this means new and um, veteran teachers, training them in understanding, well, yeah, the literature says that grit can be taught, well, how do we teach that to our children? And how do we develop curriculum that teaches that? And at the same time, reinforcing that when it can't be taught, well, what are those societal influences that undergo, that students um, experience that affect that grit or 
sometimes it was found in the study that students display grit, but they still don't do well in mathematics. And those were affected by uh, the fact that they don't have good role models um, that are positive. Sometimes they don't have male role models um, that interfere with them listening to male teachers. Um, it was also discovered that racial, racial profiling um, had an effect whereby they were, um, they didn't feel safe when they were presented um, in the appearance of um, policemen and therefore they didn't trust men period. So they wouldn't listen to the men. Um, so, and I should say that one of the main um, important discoveries that, is that many of the children didn't have a clue what um, success looks like in mathematics. They were only told that, but they thought, well, if I just do the work, I'm okay. Um, excellence is supposed to be a part of grit. They did not think that it was. They just simply wanted to get out the course. So I think that it is an enlightening for teachers to understand these dynamics and not um, think that students are displaying adverse behaviors, but they're doing that because they're angry. They just need to time out. They're doing that because perhaps let's look at it a different way so that we can see it from the student's perspective and move forward. Dr. Carson, um, were there, again, I really appreciate all of the, this data. Did, did you get a chance, again, as a, um, uh, a person identifying with a disability, did you get to um, uh, do some research on, you know, adding kind of that extra layer of students with disabilities in your research? Yes, we did uh, talk a bit and study a bit about students that have special needs. Um, it was not necessarily in terms of students that have visual difficulties, but students that have uh, special needs overall. One, two things came out. Number one, um, in many cases, those students were the most gritty because they had to, um, throughout their lives, be gritty in order to succeed. When I say gritty, work hard, be um, have endurance, be resilient, courageous, and all of those five characteristics that exist in grit. And the outcome was very often, according to teachers, that they not only um, overcame their disability, but they far exceeded the other students, um, even those that were the most talented. Um, the other factor is that um, everything has to be inclusive and to meet the needs of those specific students, rather it be visual or um, auditory, um, if they're learning disabled, whatever the case may be that teachers need to understand what are the specific needs and to um, include them in every lesson. So the way American education is structured, there is a uh, general education teachers, and then there are inclusion teachers that are put in the classroom in order to help special needs students. But because there is a shortage of special needs um, educators, very often that doesn't exist. That's the first issue. Um, so there are some classrooms that don't have special education teachers serving as inclusion teachers. And then when there are, very often those teachers are not equipped to handle the mathematics content. So they simply 
um, help the students to take notes or they, they really can't help the students uh, mathematically. Um, so again, this is um, very, very complex in terms of what are the remedies, but I should say that if all of those things are met, all of the inclusion um, tools are given to students that they do far exceed uh, because of them uh, being very gritty. Dr. Carson, I, I love all the work that you're doing and it just makes me even more curious about the person behind all of this work. Sometimes we start our podcast with like, tell us your own life story that's led you to this. And I kind of want to hear a little bit about that. I'm not, you know, we don't have enough time to go through your entire life story, but if we can get a abbreviated version of kind of where you come from and, and what, you know, what, what's your background and what, what led you into this. I think that would be really good for our listeners to, to get some of that context. I come from two under-resourced communities in Florida and in Washington, DC. I was a premature baby uh, at the age, uh, at the weight of uh, less than three pounds. And at that time, I was um, quite visually impaired, not even to the point where I am now. And they didn't really understand why that was the case. So I was diagnosed as being mentally disabled um, and spent the first four years of my education that way. There was a teacher at the fourth grade level um, that recognized that I had a prowess for mathematics. And she said, well, certainly this child can't be uh, mentally incompetent. So I was tested and they discovered that um, not only was I not mentally challenged, but I had a talent for the subject. So mathematics was my salvation, if you will, um, for me to know and understand that I could do. And I had uh, about three years to catch up because I didn't know how to read or write or, or speak properly and all those things. But they were able to do those things through mathematics to the point where I ended up um, moving on past the grade level and graduating from high school early. Uh, I, from my perspective, I believe if students are given the right tools and they're not told that they can't do in advance or that if those things are deleted from their understanding that everyone, regardless of their ability, uh, regardless of their background can do mathematics and can do it effectively. And I have fought uh, my entire career in order, and in, in my educational career as well, to try to be a voice for those that existed as I was, and to be a salvation for them, uh, that they can have the same opportunities as those that were not given to them. I think we're just all in, in awe. <laughs> I'm, that was, that was me, Ubaldo. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I just, uh, I want to hear more about your story. And I know we don't have a ton of time, but I just thank you for sharing that piece. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I just, um, yeah. And for me, I, the, the interesting, the grit thing is just super interesting to me. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to that. Like we could have a whole other show just on that because I think, you know, I think there are, people and there are companies that use that word when um, trying to find talent, for example, 
and they kind of just throw it out there. But I, um, I don't know if there's a question here, but I, I just, I, I just think it's fascinating because there's, the, I mean, you're defining it in a, in, in a different way than I think most people might think of what it is in a sense. Um, and and I, I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, how do you, how do you like account and do you like in your own definition uh, for, I mean, the everything, like the, the, the systemic inequalities, like everything holding back people of color. I mean, there's just, I mean, yes, I, I imagine it, it, it takes grit. I mean, it, I don't know, like it's, <laughs> to me, I mean, that it's just such a different word when used in this context and how you're describing it. And that, that's what I think is fascinating because words matter and, and we, we do a lot of um, trainings around helping people understand just what the word bias means. It doesn't mean just one thing, you know, there's multiple layers to it. Um, and so I think, I think you're, you've created a new word here in, in the work that you're doing. And I just, I just find that so interesting. On grit, there is a grit theory, which was developed or pioneered by Angela Duckworth. And she's done a lot of work since forth, uh, but she gives five characteristics to grit. Um, very often it's said to be perseverance only or um, endurance only, but it's a bit more than that. According to Duckworth, it's, it's courage and it's conscientiousness and it's being excellent um, and manifesting all five of those qualities in everything that you do. So according to Duckworth and all of the theories that having those five characteristics, they found that success is breeded in every area of life. Um, it's breeded in marriages and um, in workforce, um, in studies, obviously, academic performance and that kind of thing. Um, the study uh, sort of led to the fact that there is a direct uh, relationship. There is a positive relationship between those that exhibit great characteristics and mathematics achievement. However, it's not one dimensional as I um, sort of said before, and as you sort of alluded, um, because there are people that are very gritty in minority um, communities, yet they don't do well in mathematics and nor do they do well in academics or nor do do they do well in the workforce because of other factors um, that inhibit them? And some of those factors are, as I mentioned, the racial profiling, um, the fact that they don't have good role models that um, exhibit those qualities. But then it was also discovered that um, for mathematics in particular, but um, exists for academics overall, that they actually, and I'm talking males for the most part in African-American communities, um, face ostracism in their environments if they do well in courses, particularly in mathematics. Um, so it was revealed that some of them um, actually fear, that, fear for their lives to the point of being shot if they don't give answers to other students. Um, so they try to hide what they can do. Um, and that's shown in the classes. Um, they, um, their parents are telling them, well, I never did well in math, so it's okay if you don't do well in math. Uh, it was also revealed that the students 
possess four of those qualities, but not the fifth one, which is excellent. So they don't have a clue about ex excellence because they're only doing it to get out of the course or to in um, to reach their goals. Um, also reveal that they're only doing it because they want to make certain that their siblings don't um, end up in the same situation that they find themselves in. So they have to do it in order to be um, an opportunist for their um, siblings. So there are factors that um, increase greediness in its attitudes, but there are factors that um, inhibit them. And most of those are outside influences apart from um, the course itself and what they experience in the classroom. But I should add that the curriculum, according to the participants in the study, um, show that the curriculum in mathematics and science is completely out of sort for uh, what kids need, um, not only in terms of improving grit levels, but in terms of um, making the course available to students, um, relevant to students, or even important to students. Um, so there needs to be a business of that as well um, for what is to work. Dr. Carson, you've, you've really laid out very clearly kind of the multi-layered problem that is causing, you know, major blocks to black people and, you know, people with disabilities to be able to thrive in the STEM field. I have to ask, what do you think are the things that employers should be doing to remove these blocks uh, as well? I think the first thing is to understand that those blocks exist. Um, I think there is a disconnect between what is taught in schools and what is actually needed in the workforce uh, from the perspective of employers. Um, as long as, and that disconnect is even at the college level, there is a disconnect between high school and college and the needs, um, which inhibit some students from even getting to the college level or maintaining um, their college performance. And then of course, employers are looking for one thing and students automatically don't meet that need. So instead of considering, well, I wanna employ more minorities, I want to employ more people with disabilities. Look at uh, what are the inhibiting factors and how can we alleviate those? Um, that may be, again, by teacher training, <clears throat> excuse me. So what can I do in terms of resources, speaking again with employers, or what can I do in my company in order to uh, be a a community of resources for um, educators so that they can do the things that they need to do um, in order to increase that representation. I should say that, and even in the study, but my personal experience as well, uh, very often when those things are initiated, they go directly to those students that already would have succeeded, that already have given recognition. And uh, it was said that perhaps there needs to be investigation of those students that haven't shown prowess, that haven't shown those behaviors and reaching out to them and letting them know um, that they can succeed. So I think part of it is in knowledge and the other part is in, well, let me actively take a, a, a action where I can make a difference in resources. And that means money, 
that means exposure and that means education, um, educating their employees as well as educating um, teachers. Dr. Carson, uh, again, I want to thank you so much for um, sharing uh, your your personal story, the work that you're you're committed and dedicated uh, to do, and I, I I so enjoyed this on so many levels because you, you're as Nina said that you're you're laying it out, but you're also you're laying out a bigger narrative here of. Uh, how companies and education can work cohesively uh, to create a better pipeline for talent. How do we um, how do we uh, uncover uh, more talent? And being uh, a student from the public school systems, where uh, I absolutely felt uh, a lack of resources for uh, much of my um, secondary career, I. Um, I, I, I know it personally, but uh, the work that you're doing, Dr. Carson, is amazing. And I just want to thank you so much for uh, coming on um, and sharing your story with us today. I give my thanks to you for the opportunity. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Diane. Thank you, Dr. Carson. It was really just amazing and incredible. And, um, you know, Choose Inclusion audience please, you know, come back and take notes on this one. <laughs> um, and, you know, if anybody out there needs guidance and help in, in, in your work, talk to Dr. Carson, reach out because um, she's an incredible resource. So thank you all as always for listening. Chooseinclusion.com is, is the place where you can connect into all the different uh, platforms that we're streaming on. Um, and we're gonna continue to bring just incredible voices um, from the black community, from the, the accessibility community, from the inclusion community to, um, to, to, to just bring us all together and, and continue to help us all do this amazing work. So thank you so much. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Nina. Um, and again, thanks, Dr. Carson. Thank you. Take care. Thanks.